0: Adding a Mediterranean lifestyle is, yes, it's great for your health, but the food's delicious. It's the easiest thing to do. I mean, so if you wanna bring joy back into your household and your life and your family, look at cooking, shopping, cooking together, enjoying meals together, um, have a leisurely time and have fun. It's all about having fun and eating delicious food and that just makes it so easy.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Couch Talk. Dr. Anna Kabeka here with a dear friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Masley. And today we're going to really go into festivities for the holidays what makes a happy heart, happy home. And the Mediterranean way of doing things. The Mediterranean method is is Dr. Masley's new book, and I'm just thrilled to share it with you. I've loved everything he has done. I've known him for over a decade now, have cooked with him in his kitchen, ate at his family's table, and just really, this man knows exactly what to do. And also, I've worked in his clinic, I've consulted with his clients, and have just seen the state-of-the-art operation he runs light years, light years ahead of even executive level concierge care. So Dr. Stephen Masley, how are you?
0: I'm, I'm doing great and I'm delighted to be with you.
1: I, I love spending time with you and I'm looking forward to spending even more time with you this coming new year. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with you yet, you know, but first let me just say I have been in envy as I've followed along in your blog and your story as you have sailed around the Mediterranean. <laughs> so maybe let's start with that. Then we'll get into your professional transitions later.
0: <laughs> well, that was pretty amazing. I mean, some days I literally had to pinch myself to realize I was getting to do this, but you know, I've been following an interest in the Mediterranean diet for years, but it, it occurred it. The recent research has been so powerful for preventing heart disease, for improving cognitive function, preventing memory loss, for weight loss, you know, rated as the U.S. World Report, rated as the best diet for weight loss. Um, You know, so one benefit, let alone, it's the diet that has the longest longevity on the planet. So I wanted to see up close, what was it that made it so special It went, you know, what beyond the ingredients. So my wife and I, Nicole, who you know, we sailed from Spain all the way to Turkey, along the shoreline, stopping at ports, you know, eating, looking at the food, going to markets, being in little mom and pop, mostly restaurants. It was awesome. Just an amazing trip. But I learned so much about you know, here I've been studying the Mediterranean diet for probably 15, 20 years on paper. But this was really something new to look at it up close like that, tasting the food and experiencing it at the same time.
1: You know, and that, of course, is near and dear to my heart. Growing up, you know, in a Mediterranean lifestyle, growing up with my Middle Eastern mama and my Portuguese papa, right? And so both my mother and father are, you know, I'm first generation American. So like our table growing up was i didn't know anything different which was really interesting however Stephen, which was fascinating to me as i saw the transition between the family from my mother's side that came to the united states versus the one that stayed living in the mediterranean that three out of the eight that came to the united well only three came to the united states out of eight brothers and sisters but all three died in their like 50s early 60s all three died in their 50s early 60s so what was different eating more of the American way than the Mediterranean way was the infusion of the grains, lots and lots of breads and high sugary sweets and lots of baked goods, which, you know, certainly was, we grew up saying we can drink syrup. We have such a sweet tooth, right? And so those were things that, you know, were outside of the Mediterranean, but the classic, like greens and vegetables and, you know, rolled grape leaves and, fresh meats and fresh fish. And that was also something that was different. We weren't getting it fresh anymore, not in, and then in, you know, small town suburbia, Pennsylvania. And so, so those were some interesting findings. I was like, okay, well, you know, here we have this, you know, culture that's prospered on this Mediterranean type of lifestyle. We have a genetic predisposition towards this heart disease and diabetes when the environmental conditions shift. So I could see that and how that played out in my mom's lives and in her brother's lives that lived in the United States. And that was really fascinating to me, Stephen. So I just wanna get your input on this too.
0: Well, we see that in Europe now too, in the cities, more and more people are shifting away from the Mediterranean diet, more towards an American fast food, processed food, and their health is falling apart. Look at right now in children in Greece, Somehow, the children in Greece have kind of abandoned the Mediterranean diet. They're, they eat more Mediterranean in Sweden than they do in Greece right now, the children at least. And they have one, one of the highest overweight rates on the planet right now. So their weights are skyrocketing and their health's deteriorating along with it. So it doesn't matter where you are. The closer you follow a Mediterranean diet, the less heart disease, the less memory loss, the slimmer and trimmer you stay, and the longer you live. So it doesn't matter if you move to the US from the Mediterranean or if you're in the Mediterranean Sea and you're giving it up. Either way, there's a huge difference in your health and your quality of life.
1: And you know what I think is really fascinating. So this whole the epigenetics component of it, so the your know, family for generations surviving on that Mediterranean lifestyle knew, knew somehow, right that that lifestyle, will make their genes thrive, their warrior genes, their survival genes, plus with the religious fasting, that's part of the, and the Catholic religion and the Orthodox religion, there's many, many days of fasting. So these cultures, these habits that were like these traditions that have arisen were to optimize their genetic potential. So the Mediterranean food with an active lifestyle, with fasting, periods of fasting, Like these things optimize this genetic potential. It's like the Native Americans, I was looking at it that way. They have warrior genes, but these genes in the wrong environment give them diabetes and heart disease. And it's very interesting with the the Mediterranean style. So for first generations Americans like myself, we have got to go back to our traditional ways of eating. We've got to really, you know, my keto green Mediterranean is so keto green, Stephen. It's so keto green. (laughs) so we have to really incorporate this on a on a regular basis as well as the diet and lifestyle. So I want to go now we're in, in the holidays and you know the festivities of the holidays and think about how traditionally foods and preparation and festivities up through the holidays keep us somewhat feasting but yet balanced so that we maintain our heart healthiness and don't completely Gain ten pounds over Christmas and and every and, you know and all of that feel sluggish, feel tired, you know, get cranky, and then we don't enjoy our good family festivities.
0: Well, the Mediterranean diet in many ways focuses on festivities, on special occasions, and on food. And you know, so their themes I think is that they're eating local. You said fresh, lots of colorful plant foods they don't have any deprivation. It's not like they have whole food, you know, you can't eat fat or you can't have carbs and they don't really do that. They focus on meals or a joyous occasion to bring family and friends together and they live it up when they eat. So they do have holidays and they do have nice desserts and they they really have fun, but it's all around food. You know, it's about shopping, cooking, Serving and, and a long leisurely meal, which is, it seems to me like in America, oftentimes the only time we, we live like Europeans is on their holidays, because that's when we do have long leisurely meals. We have big conversations. They do it almost every day. Um, so, you know, they, they go to more extravagance over the holidays, which I think we do too. But I think we could learn a lot from not just what we eat, but how we eat. And the fasting part, I just wanted to comment on that because very commonly, probably several days a week, people living on the Mediterranean don't eat anything in the morning. They'll have partial and intermittent fast, not just fasting for religious holidays. But I would say oftentimes they'll just have a black coffee in the morning. They don't have anything till lunch. So basically, they didn't eat anything from like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Well, if you're in Spain, maybe they they ate at 11 (laughs) o'clock. but they don't need anything until noon or one o'clock the next day. So they will several days a week add in a you know a partial intermittent fast. I think that's it's interesting when you bring that up that it's, it is part of their culture. And I think it's a really healthy idea.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. It's essential. And so, Stevens, what did you notice about the oldest of the old populations that you saw? Like, how are they living out compared to, compare and contrast Elderly along your journey in the Mediterranean, a lot of the coastal communities to our and you're a coastal community in the United States. Stephen's in St. Petersburg, so St. Petersburg, Florida. So compare and contrast the elderly.
0: Well, they're much more active. I mean, they walk to go shopping almost every day. I mean, Nicole and I have one of these little carts that we would pull behind, you know, as you know, a little thing that you could put a day or two's worth of shopping in. But almost every day you see little old ladies and little old men out shopping at the market and bringing home and eating fresh what they got. We're much more likely to drive and buy food for the week or the month and load up the car. And so, I mean that's a huge difference. And I think we beneficial for us is we do have all this disabled things who have some people they can get into a restaurant they can get anywhere. They don't have that in Europe. So you are forced to walk up and down stairs and all sorts of things all the time in the train station. If you can't do stairs, you're probably not going to make, you know, oftentimes you're not going to make it. So they have a guaranteed fitness level that you have to stay active and they don't, you know, give you a break and they don't have elevators all over the place. And so They're much more active. They still cook. And when I see them, and they're still out in restaurants, but when they do, it's usually like with family, it's joyous. One thing I don't see is no one's eating and and having, you know, their smartphone up in front of them. They're not text. They don't text each other at the table. (laughs) Um, You know, that's a younger generation thing. So you look at the kids and they may be very well texting, but even there, I don't see them texting while they're eating. You know, there there's certain social things that you don't snack in Europe very much at all. When you do eat, you sit at a table with other people and there's no screen time. You don't watch TV. You're not on the computer. You're not on the phone when you're eating. And I think we could learn a lot from that.
1: Oh, I agree with you. You know, you're bringing up very good points when I traveled wow, 2006, 2007, we took that year off the healing journey around the world. And Amanda and Amira were small. They were six and nine, turning seven and 10 during that time. But So this is a a decade or so ago. But one thing I noticed, we stayed in, we did some home exchanges, you know, people came to stay in our house and we stayed in others. So the points you brought up are, are true in this European community. We stayed in a Dutch home. There were a family of six, four teenagers, all athletes, you know, six feet tall, athletes, four teenagers, mom and dad. So family of six. And seriously, their fridge was like our beverage fridge. The size of their fridge was like our beverage fridge. And I was like, "Whoa." And I said, "What do you do?" And they said, "Well, we yeah, we go we ride the bikes down the street to the market every day and you know and and get what's fresh. And you know, we store a couple things here, And they showed me a little like cupboard, like basically, a small drawer that had some dried goods, but everything else was everything else was fresh. And then, of course, I asked the very silly question. I said, "Well, then, You know, like, you ride your bike there every day to the market? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, well, what do you do when it rains? And she's like, we get wet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wear a raincoat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We get wet. And then I learned the Dutch expression, no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. Only bad clothes. So I try to remind myself that. And then there was another thing, Stephen, too, on our journey in, in the south of France. We did another home exchange to an area in the south of France near Toulouse and Rode. So um, a village. And we stayed in this beautiful, you know, old, old house when we were like four, or 500 years old and walked around and fresh markets and fresh. Oh, I mean, just was incredible. But the point was that here I have these two kids, we're American, we're traveling, and we go into the cafe at two o'clock, sit down, we just, you know, just are through this long journey, coming to the cafe, and they're like, we can give you something to drink, but no food. I'm like, what? No food? And now, I'm like, between two and seven? No, no one's going to feed you between two and seven.
0: Yes. I
1: miss the feeding Every country has a different time. Yep, And I thought that was fascinating. You can't, you want to, you can't eat like you're going out. You can't eat in the middle of the day. It's not like 24 hour free access to food. And so that was like, huh, this is a French secret that I wasn't aware of. You know, you can have a cafe, you can have a, you know, sparkling water or something, glass of wine maybe, but you're not getting food.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's interesting because when I would offer someone on our boat a snack, they would not accept you know, I would be like testing a recipe and make something. I'd be like, "You want to try it?" Well, they look at me strangely. Like, and it doesn't matter if it's Spain or Italy or Greece. If it's not meal time, where they're going to sit down and have a whole meal, they're not going to have just a bite, a snack, something like that. They don't. It's not part of their culture.
1: Mm,
0: not it's like taboo. Wow.
1: What was one of the most surprising things that you discovered on your journey?
0: When I started off, Spain had was like the third longest-lived population on the world. Now they're the longest. And, I, you know, from watching them, we probably spent almost two to three months sailing around northern Spain, southern Spain, up the east coast in the Mediterranean, and just looking at their culture. You know, they're joyous. They're relaxed. They have access to good health care. Everybody has health care but they really do follow a Mediterranean diet. They really, they eat lots of vegetable fruit, beans and nuts. You know, that is the staple. They have some protein, you know, and it's clean protein. It's not like ours. They drink red wine (laughs) and they eat fruit for dessert. I mean, oftentimes you don't even order dessert there. You get a piece of fruit at the end of your meal and it's free. It's like, that's, that comes with lunch or dinner. For them to give you a slice of watermelon or a sliced apple or pear or something afterwards. That's just part of the meal. I don't think we think of it quite like that. So it was definitely the ingredients. You know, the ingredients are fantastic. They're local, they're fresh, and their their food is clearly less expensive. Processed food is expensive, but when you look at fruit and vegetables in the market, we would just fill up a bag, a backpack. That we would carry on our bicycles or something, and it hardly cost anything, and it the quality was amazing. It was delicious. I mean, everything. I was just I was floored to some degree at what because they insist on it. They demand fresh, local, delicious food, or they won't buy it. They're very picky and very selective. Traveling around, those were some of the, really the keys in how they shop and the ingredients they have available and. The stuff we sell here, they wouldn't buy oftentimes. So we should be more picky as to what we... I really th- think we need to be more picky about what we buy at the store and what we're willing to accept.
1: And the frequency, right? The frequency of how often we're shopping, fresh, local, fairs and things like that. And tell me about like the whole glyphosate issue. Is there the, you know, GMOs? What is the
0: environment around that? You know, they're still using... <laughs> roundup gets used in some areas but there's an aversion to it here there's an acceptance like it's just normal and the fda says it's safe so we have to we're supposed to trust that which i don't but in europe there's a general aversion to anything being put on their crops so they have some like we do organic certified but they have a ton of food that was raised in an organic fashion and it's not certified but they never received any pesticides or herbicides At all. So it's much cleaner. And they would they wouldn't even dream of giving hormones to cows to increase dairy production or to animals to fatten them up. I I think they would literally lynch a farmer for doing something like that locally, if it was found out. They're much more pristine about their environment and what's in their food and if there's chemicals or not, they take it far more seriously. We could learn a lot from that, being selective and insisting. I mean, here, the only way to do is to buy mostly organic, which I'm much more likely to do now, but I'm back home again.
1: Yeah. And you'll probably feel a difference if shopping non-organic just doesn't sit as well, probably with your physiology at this point, too. Stephen, this reminds me to another interesting observation I made, too, as we traveled around the world. Was milk right? I mean, like I don't remember anyone like milk was not a staple. Like cereal for breakfast was not a staple. Like that wasn't the only place that we had that was in Australia. But what I noticed, which was very interesting, because I was thinking about that this morning. I mean, really, milk became a food for starvation issues, right? Like, what other species drinks another species' milk? So that's something we. I see the cheeses and the fermented cheeses and. I saw a lot about that, but did you see anything with the milk, anything struck out?
0: No, I I hardly saw milk served at all, but I saw a lot of yogurt. And most of their yogurt is plain, basically, or plain organic yogurt. So instead of all these sugar and sweeteners, you know, I always say to my patients, which has more sugar, ice cream or yogurts with fruit in it. And they're usually shocked to hear that yogurt with fruit in it has more sugar in it than ice cream does. That's really different. Most of the yogurt there is plain, and people eat plain yogurt. All oh, it's a staple. So of the dairy they have, it's a fermented form. It's got a nice probiotic in it, and it's good for your gut. So, but I know I really saw very little milk consumption. Maybe an occasional latte or cafe au lait, but more much more likely they, they drink their coffee. It's black. It's espresso. It's not milk added. I did see you know quite a bit of cheese. But the portion of cheese is like, you know, it's gra- a little bit grated or it's a couple little crumbles or it's one little small piece after a meal. And it's not like what we have here for cheese, which comes in plastic and is, split, you know, there it's oftentimes raw. Again, it's probiotic rich and it's a small portion that they have. for. So they do have dairy, but yeah, it's probiotic rich and the portion size is much smaller than ours.
1: You know, it was fascinating to me when we came back from the trip, you know, Amira at that point was 10. And prior to leaving, she'd have a lot of ear infections and asthmatic symptoms. Actually, I remember her having an asthma attack as we were heading out on our trip. And so when the rest of the journey, she didn't, she wasn't no congestion, none of my kids, none of us got sick at all. We came back and we were back one week, And she had a ear infection, tonsils were swollen and angry, you know, having difficulty breathing again. And the difference was she was eating cereal with milk again, cereal with milk. So the mucus increased mucus production for her. It's certainly a food sensitivity, but like how fascinating just to see that quick shift, just a quick shift from one dietary change. So what is, like, is there like something, okay, every one of us really needs to do this. Like I would think to myself, like, okay, what's the first thing that comes to my, my mind when I want everyone to do like one healthier thing? And that's like, eat more fresh olives, not like black olives, eat more olives, like Mediterranean olives and olive oil. That would be like, I think we need more olives and olive oil, oleic acid, and the benefits of that That would be my holiday staple on the table this Christmas. Beautiful, fresh Mediterranean Kalamata olives or Greek olives, Spanish olives, and olive oil. What about you?
0: I really like the olives because that's like the most popular, common appetizer we ever saw. And oftentimes they would give us, you might even get olives for free before a meal. Because again, just like you have a piece of fruit at the end of the meal, you might start your meal. So there'd be a little bowl with some mixture of green and black olives and they weren't pitted they were unpitted olives so they had more flavor so I like that and obviously I like cooking with olive oil Um, for me it would be that you need a big portion of vegetables at every meal and to me that was really the theme and oftentimes you have to order as a side dish it doesn't even come with it but everywhere you look people almost always order a big vegetable side dish whether it's Broccoli or Swiss chard, green beans, spinach, it's you know the variety's endless, and usually it's cooked with olive oil, a little salt and pepper, a s- sprinkle of some herbs like thyme or fresh rosemary or something like that, and then maybe a little lemon rind and lemon juice at the end. So over and over they have that combination. That's one of my favorite side dishes is you know a veg you know some vegetable like that. That you saute at low heat with olive oil, garlic, some Italian, French herbs, and some lemon at the end. I mean, that that is the hallmark to me. And it's a big portion, you know, it's a big part of your plate. So I think that would be number one. For me, that's number one.
1: Okay, and I'm I wanna change or just tie my number one with some good red wine. <laughs> let me just tie that to you <laughs> hold on. i'm good okay steven so i have a question so do you know like that's a very alkalinizing diet that's a very keto alkaline diet for the Mediterranean stuff were you checking your urine ph did you see like if anything made it more less or i need-
0: honestly i didn't bother because three-fourths of what we ate were vegetable fruit beans and nuts and there are big vegetable portions and the meat portions they do eat meat. They'll have seafood most often, or some poultry. Rarely any red meat, but the portion size is small. We're talking three, four ounces would be the portion size. And the other thing that you know is acidic besides meat would be grains, and there weren't very many grains. I, I mean, in some places, you know, they're still offering bread, and but usually Nicole and I would just pass on the. We would you aim most of the time to pass on the bread.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: and if you did get a grain dish which they do serve it's again a little tiny portion a big portion of vegetables and a little portion of grain so the only thing with acid in it is usually a small occasional portion and the alkaline foods are big and abundant at every meal so i would say if you literally if you're following the mediterranean diet it's far less you could check out of curiosity i think you you would just be curious to see what it is but yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It, it becomes do. far less necessary when you eat that way all the time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And plus, you know, you're very in tune with how you feel, right? Like less arthritic pains, more mobile, more energetic, and memory and clarity. This is something that's interesting in our different cultures, right? Like the, our older generations are losing their memory, increasing risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. So how does that look overseas?
0: You know they have places in like greece where they say people never get dementia and in southern italy where it's really no one ever thinks about it you know so the foods they eat the lifestyle they have they their memory you know we're having an an epidemic of premature memory loss and decreased brain processing speed it's far far less common so I'm used to, in Europe, I'm used to seeing 80-year-olds who are still active, they're out shopping every day, they're walking around, they stroll after dinner and go for a walk, they eat these long leisurely meals with their family. Here, we're almost, you know, like institutionalized from memory loss and disability by the time we hit our 80s, so the the difference is striking.
1: That is, and I just want to encourage our listeners too. Like in in this, you know, how you've practiced and how we've practiced and how we've tested our clients, we've seen these markers improve with however we're feeling, however your parents are feeling. Who's listening here today? Your parents, your caregiver, and you're seeing that dementia. It's never too late. We've seen cognitive function, you know. Brain speed, we've looked at coronary markers, certainly carotid medial thickness, right? Carotid artery intermedial thickness with ultrasound, CIMT for short, and we've seen improvements there. Well,
0: at least from my clinic, you're you're very well aware that in our clinic, we documented hundreds of people who shrunk their artery plaque by 10%. And most of my patients have an improvement in brain processing and cognitive function, brain processing speed and cognitive function. So... Commonly, I would see people's brain function not only not diminish but get better People become sharper and quicker. Um, they're shrinking their artery plaque All those things are part of following this kind of lifestyle that you feel better your trimmer And protecting from memory loss and protecting from heart disease. I mean those are like the two big killers in america today So it's super important
1: Well, tell us a little bit about your book the mediterranean method
0: this was really fun. And it, it comes with, you know, they actually put photos. This is the first time I've ever had a book where they had 20 photos in it, um, you know, of the meals. So that was kind of a neat, you know, to, to create 50 recipes and then photograph some of them and make them look beautiful, like for a holiday meal. So I really love putting this together. It was the easiest book I've ever written because it was so natural for me. The idea of how does following a Mediterranean diet prevent heart disease? How does it enhance your cognitive function, prevent memory loss? How does it make you live longer? Why is this rated as the best diet for weight loss by US News and World Report? There's so many things that I wanted to put the tips in. My real goal was: how do you make this easy? What steps can you take to simplify it so you can put the food in your pantry, prepare the meals easily? Your family and friends love what you're cooking. That was really my goal was the, the how-tos. And I really wanted to point out some myths. There's a whole, you know, some people think, okay, if it's Italian, if I'm eating pizza or tomato sauce on it, it, it's more than that. You know, the ingredients really do matter. And I think that's a key take-home message from the book is finding the right ingredients that taste great, that are easy to prepare, and that are, that are good for your heart, brain, and soul.
1: I agree, and I'm looking forward to sharing those recipes with my community. There'll be a link below, but also can get it right at anywhere books are sold. Right, Stephen?
0: Anywhere books are sold on starting December 31st, and if anyone orders pre-orders it early, I have a special offer. I'm offering cooking cl- on my website. I'm offering cooking classes, so I'll give them a free series of cooking classes on you know making. An appetizer, a main dish, a soup, a salad, a side dish, a dessert. How do you incorporate so some videos with cooking classes with me here in this kitchen? How do you make it easy? So if you pre-order it or order it when it first comes out, you can get that bonus on my website, drmasley.com.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Dr. Masley, D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y dot com. So we'll get that there. And we'll put a link below in the show notes too. Okay, one more question, Stephen. So, you know, I'm all about intimacy, romance, connection. So we know, what about longevity in marriages? What did you see? What about libido and sexual function? Did you sit at a dinner table with others 60 and older and ask them, how is your sexual function? Maybe maybe you didn't, but I'm curious.
0: (laughs) You know, when we think about romance is an important part of the Mediterranean lifestyle. I mean, there's still courting going on between couples, irregardless of their age. You know, you see men and women out buying flowers to take home in their 70s and preparing romantic meals by candlelight and dancing and you see hugging. And, you know, I think they're a little more less affectionate in public than we are, but, you know, the general rule is that once you get in the bedroom, you know, they become into tigers. So there's this (laughs) idea of passion. So you won't see a lot of, you know, people groping themselves or each other in public. They're a little more private than that, but they talk about intimacy and they talk about romance well into their 80s and 90s. So there's no hesitation here. And certainly the young the young have no, no lack of romance and intimacy going on. so
1: Well that's really, and I like how you say the word romance, right? You're bringing the romance in. it's part of the culture, the the flowers brought to the table, the chair being pulled out, holding I mean I, I would see hands being held respect, you know I mean all of those a twinkle in the eyes, a special smile, those interchanges you know throughout the longevity of the Keeping that
0: up. Yeah, it's not just having sex. There's all this romance that goes along and builds up to it. And I think it makes it sweeter. At least, you know, um, I'm in my mid-60s. And, you know, for Nicole and I, you know, it's still a really important part of our lives. And I hope it is for the next 20, 30 years. (laughs) So, you know. Well said, yes. But I've learned a lot from you over the last decade on how, you know, it starts in the morning by getting up and making coffee for someone. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: true. So true. That is early morning foreplay. Absolutely. (laughs) And it is inside, outside the bedroom. And then too, for couples that are struggling, how do we bring kindness consideration outside the bedroom first, right? So there's that whole concept of foreplay starts, you know, in in the morning that bring me that coffee. What Is something that pleases you that makes you feel special or you've been thought of and and from both sides remembering to be grateful and to focus on the positive and you and and i ask you these questions because number one i know you'll answer me and number two you and nicole have the most amazing amazing relationship and you just see that you guys are in love continue to be in love and plus like you dance together you hold hands you'll give her an affectionate touch and it's it's mutual so you see that and and that's really special and that's good health and longevity all the way around.
0: Absolutely. So
1: thank you for modeling this for those of us that get to watch you. And I'm looking forward to your cooking classes and I look forward to cooking with you when I come down your way hopefully around New Year's. So look forward to that for our listeners. Stay make sure you're on our Facebook page because we'll definitely do some live stream cooking. For you too. So pay attention for that and our Instagram. And Stephen, uh, sending you off with a big Happy Holidays and thank you for being on our show today. Any final words or sayings for our audience as we sign off this Christmas
0: Couch Talk? Adding a Mediterranean lifestyle is it's yes, it's great for your health. But the food's delicious. It's the easiest thing to do. I mean, so if you want to bring joy back into your household and your life and your family, look at cooking, shopping, cooking together, enjoying meals together, um, have a leisurely time and have fun. It's all about having fun and eating delicious food. And that just makes it so easy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, thank you. And thanks to all our listeners. This special holiday season, I want to send you my warmest blessings for this beautiful holiday season and to your family. And I think one thing that internationally increases our longevity is this time of connection and community. And the holidays can stress us, and we can forget that. We feel the stress of the holiday, and we may feel we want to hibernate or be secluded or you know we're disconnecting and I always joke about you know the, my story on the Christmas di- divorce I'll have to tell y'all that sometime if you want to hear it <laughs> it's really a high amount of stress can make us feel like we're in the wrong relationship and I just want to encourage like these little tools healthy body healthy mind healthy soul healthy relationship that we continue through this holiday season with this self love self kindness and focusing on the positive in others, nourishing our body with just the right things, just the right ingredients, just the right touch. The little things make a big difference in the long run. And as we do this, as we prepare, ideally letting go of the stress and preparing with love, that just adds the special ingredients. But we all can use extra help and during this holiday season. So thank you and happy holidays. We'll see you all next week.